0: This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at
1: capitalfinancialusa.com. Duke, Carolina, and State all got wins yesterday, all three of them. And it was some fun basketball. We'll start with the two ranked teams, Duke and Carolina, because they also played other ranked teams. So, let's go ahead and dive into those first. So, Duke got a nice 78-70 win over number 10, Baylor, up at Madison Square Garden. So, home, home game. Home game for Duke, I guess you could say. Yeah. This one was a bit of a grind for Duke. Now, first real true signature good win for Duke this season. They've played some good teams. They've played against Arizona. They played that game at home. They played Michigan State at the time, was ranked, but they we're realizing Michigan State maybe isn't that good. They played at Arkansas, so they've played some good games so far, but haven't had that signature win as of yet. This one was that. It was a bit of a grind for Duke. There were some cold stretches scoring. John Shire relied heavily on his starting five, and only three guys off the bench played a combined total of 21 minutes. We'll get into that in a little, in a little bit. And it's a young lineup as a whole, but they were able to make big plays down the stretch. Here's John Shire talking about, hey, being able to play this game in Madison Square Garden against a top team like Baylor was a bit of an honor. What an honor
0: to play in MSG. You know, this has been a special place for us, especially to play right before Christmas, this kind of game. It's, it's going to be hard to do it going forward, depending on the ACC schedule. But uh, just seeing the crowd show up and all the Duke fans in New York, you uh, what a special thing. Like for these guys, I know they love playing in it. It's great coaching in it. And to play a team like Baylor, uh, to get tested by a team who really had coming in uh, top five offense in the country, you know, best three point shooting team, top five offensive rebounding team. And obviously they have a great culture. They've been a winning program. So it was an honor for us to play them.
1: And Baylor was good last night. Don't get me wrong. That, that three point shooting, that Shire just talked about their 8 of 18, so 44%, which is good, which is really good shooting uh, from outside the arc. But this is where Duke, a little bit down the stretch, I thought, made the big plays when it was necessary. And they had to do it for a stretch late with Kyle Filipowski on the bench. With just over seven minutes left, Kyle Filipowski picked up his fourth foul. Now, Filipowski struggled a bit shooting from the floor. He did have a double-double yesterday, but him being in foul trouble late, it was... All right, we got to go to the perimeter now because when I mean, J- uh, Jay Billis actually brought this up during the broadcast yesterday, when you take Kyle Filipowski off the floor and it's Ryan Young and Mark Mitchell as your two post players, there's no threat of outside shooting really from either of those guys. So it can it can change how you play defense because you don't have a seven-footer like Filipowski that can potentially stretch the floor. So things do change for Duke in that regard, but Duke heavily in this game early on was looking at using Jeremy Roach and Filipowski in pick-and-roll situations, allowing guys like uh, Foster and McCain possibly to play a little bit off the ball. So we saw a lot of that two-man game early on. But Filipowski, with seven and a half minutes or so left in a tight game, had to go to the bench with four fouls. But we saw Duke pull away a little bit late. And they were able to, again, grind out that 78-70 win. McCain had a big three-pointer late. Jeremy McCain, by the way, 21 points. Jeremy Roach was awesome, 18 points for him. We'll get into that in just a moment. But McCain late in the game, it was Jeremy Roach and Ryan Young that ran a pick and roll. Ryan Young has the ball now going down the lane, kicks it out to the corner, uh, to the wing, to McCain, who had a big three late. That's a big-time moment for a freshman. Jared McCain a freshman to hit a shot like that against the number 10 team at Madison Square Garden like I said McCain was great he had 21 points Roach as I said had 18 and Jeremy Roach was the calming force out out there on the floor because like I said John Shire relied heavily on his starting 5 Blake's off the bench played 10 minutes TJ Power played 3 Ryan Young played 8 minutes off the bench that's it no Jeremy, uh no Tyrese Proctor. He's still battling the ankle injury. Christian Reeves still out as well due to injury. So you're relying heavily on your starting five. They're starting five. Philipowski, Mark Mitchell, just sophomores. McCain and Foster, freshmen. But it was the senior Jeremy Roach that was the calming force. But those freshmen, like I talked about, McCain and Caleb Foster were big, and John Shire acknowledged them post-game.
0: For Jared and for Caleb. As freshmen and be in this environment and have the games that they did, you know Jared on offense, he's 21 and 7 of 11 from three, uh, very efficient. But also on defense, he's playing his butt off. You know Caleb thought ran our team great.
1: So yeah, big time game for each of those guys. Uh, like you said, 7 of 11 shooting overall for McCain. He was 3 of 6 from behind the arc. Duke as a whole was only 3. I'm sorry, 4 of 12. But between Roach and McCain, they combined for those four three-pointers because outside of that, Mitchell uh, and Filipowski each missed a couple of threes. But McCain and Roach were four of eight combined uh, from behind the arc. Those two guys were great. Foster had 12 points as well, had a couple of assists and five rebounds as well. Um, So it was a grind-out style game. Uh, Duke got to the free-throw line a bunch, by the way. They got to the line 29 times in this game, made 24 of them. That is where the difference, I think, was in this game. Big. They big. Get, them getting to the free throw line. I still have concerns about Duke in the post. I feel teams are going to attack Kyle Filipowski in the post, and we actually saw Baylor do that last night. That's why Filipowski got into foul trouble and had to come out down the stretch late. I think teams are really going to be physical with him in the low post, and we saw that last night. We saw that last night. So I think that's still something that John Shire needs to figure out about defense down in the post. Do you give Ryan Young a few more minutes? Do you, when Christian Reeves comes back, do you start working him in? Or is this how you're going to ride it this season? That's a, something to be determined. So they got a win last night, also getting a win last night. North Carolina. This was probably UNC's best game of the year, in my opinion. And this has been a bit of a, this stretch of schedule for UNC has been a tough one. And I respect the fact that both UNC and Duke are scheduling these tough games right now, by the way, early in the season. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in
0: studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuda with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon
1: to seek out you and your expertise? We've seen in recent games, UNC play both UConn and Kentucky. Uh, So they've played a lot of nationally ranked teams. They played Tennessee already this season as well. But this one over Oklahoma, 81-69, who was previously undefeated, was probably their best game overall this year. And Carolina's defense last night was awesome. Here's Hubert Davis on the defense last night versus Oklahoma.
2: I thought we were really good defensively, you know, one of the thing that Oklahoma is, is great at is getting consistent points in the paint, whether it's post-penetration, offensive rebounds, so it was a huge emphasis on us uh, when they ran their action, which was mostly ball screens, to be, you know, protect the paint, and I thought that that is what allowed us to get some steals and deflections and create 18 turnovers. I just, I, I do, I think uh, the first half, and overall, defensively,
1: I think that was our best effort of the season. I 100% agree with Hubert Davis on that one. Talk, like like you said, 18 turnovers forced against uh, Oklahoma yesterday. And something that I know that Hubert Davis has talked about for his team, he feels their best when they're able to turn defense into offense and transition opportunities. We actually saw Carolina yesterday get fast 23 fast-break points. 23 fast-break points. And they got 24 points off of those 18 turnovers. So they were turning defense into offense. Harrison Ingram in the first half had four steals, multiple times leading to scoring opportunities. There was actually a stretch. Um, The team overall, by the way, Carolina had six blocks as well. When Carolina was up 34-24, Harrison Ingram as a weak side defender in the low post comes over, gets a block, ball goes out of bounds. Very next shot, Baycott gets a block, Carolina comes down with the ball, and it leads into a transition opportunity for Carolina. I think they end up getting fouled in transition. But that is something that Carolina was able to do yesterday, turn defense into offense. And I think that's what Carolina wants to do. They want to play with that tempo. They want to play with that speed. And by the way, offensively, four players for Carolina, double-figure scoring led by R.J. Davis, who I thought was great yesterday. He had 23 points, five assists. Zero turnovers for RJ Davis yesterday, hit five three pointers. Here's Hubert Davis talking about his star senior point guard.
2: I wouldn't say it's a chip on the shoulder, I would just say it's growth. I know it's hard because collegiate sports, specifically basketball, you know, you forget about the guys that stay till their senior year. You know, it used to be that way. Just every year you matured, you got better. He talked about, he talked about and his teammates about his leadership. That's something that is a big difference this year compared to other years. I mean, for him to step up in so many different ways, he's an outstanding defensive player. He's really stepped stepped it up on that end. And not just the 23 points, but the five assists and zero turnovers. That's real. And so um, I'm just really happy for him. I feel like this is the first time that he is being celebrated, supported, encouraged, and noticed, and I love it. It's the seventh time in
1: his career he's had 20-5, and five. the first time he ever had no, no turnovers with 20 points and five assists. Thanks, Kersh. All right, so that's uh, Steve Kirshner who actually you heard on the Adam Gold Show earlier this week from North Carolina, talk about 20 points, five assists for uh, R.J. For Davis. First time he's done that without turning the ball over in his career. Uh, he's been absolutely outstanding. This was the seventh straight game where R.J. Davis has led Carolina in scoring. Seventh straight. But one of my concerns with Carolina going into the last few games is, all right, outside of Baycott, outside of Davis, outside of Harrison Ingram, are you getting the contributions from the supporting cast outside of those big three? And I thought the supporting cast was good for Carolina yesterday. Speaking of Ingram, Ingram was solid all around. 11 points, seven rebounds, four steals, had the block that I mentioned, but he had a big shot. Late in the game, as the shot clock was winding down, he had a it was just inside the three point line, takes a little bit of a runner off the glass and in that made it 75 67. If Oklahoma gets a stop there, they're only down five, they get a bucket, you're down to a one possession game. That was a big shot by Harrison Ingram late, but the supporting cast was good for Carolina when they needed it. Cormac Ryan followed up his 20 point game against Kentucky with 13 points last night. Wasn't his best shooting effort, but he had seven rebounds and was really good defensively as well. Seth Tremble had a big three-pointer that made it 52-41 to in the second half. It was a timely shot. He didn't really score a whole lot, but he made a timely shot when Carolina needed it to kind of stop a little bit of a run and to get back into a double-digit lead. Overall, like I said, Carolina forced 18 turnovers. This was arguably their best game. So far this season, eighty-one sixty-nine over a previously unbeaten Oklahoma team. The top 10 win, It's a I know it technically was a neutral site, but it was in Charlotte. It was a home game, let's be real. But it was a big win for Carolina that's put themselves a little bit through the grind uh, with playing a bunch of really good teams. And I said yesterday that we saw against UConn, we saw against Kentucky, that they were close, that they were right there. But right there obviously wasn't good enough because they weren't getting those wins. And yesterday they got that win. And defensively was outstanding uh, yesterday for Carolina. Now the big question for for both Duke and for Carolina. Okay, you got wins against top 10 teams. How do you follow it up?
3: Keep it going.
1: How do you follow it up? That's my that's my big thing. Everyone gets capable of having a moment and getting a big win or having a big game. How do you follow it up? That's the next thing. How do you follow it up? But great wins for both Carolina and Duke yesterday. Big wins uh, for the ACC on, on national stages. Both those games, primetime on ESPN, national stage, ranked opponents, ACC showing out. I love it. Look Another, at Duke in their primetimes. Hey, hey, Duke and Carolina. Football but, and basketball. They look at them both. I know. Look at them go. They're so fancy. Also getting a win on the hardwood yesterday a little bit more of a struggle yesterday but NC State got the win over St. Louis 82 to 70. NC State was trailing at halftime in this one 36-33. I had to catch up on this one because I was, you know, they played the same time as Duke. So I had to catch up a little bit on this game. But I still am wondering How NC State is putting things together in terms of building this chemistry on the fly. Because MJ Rice just, again, coming back into the lineup. He only played two minutes yesterday, by the way, did MJ Rice. Cam Woods, also coming into the lineup, just played four minutes yesterday, even though Cam Woods in their previous game played 18. So I'm curious to see how NC State is still mixing everything together because they have a lot of guard depth.
0: you fix your home up. We are The Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com.
1: Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection, ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com.
0: Save big money at Menards.
1: And in the post outside of DJ Burns, I know Ben Middlebrooks yesterday had nine points, which is good. Can he do that again? Much like we talked about with Duke Carolina. How do you follow that up? Ben Middlebrooks playing 15 minutes off the bench, getting nine points. Mohamed Yara only played three minutes yesterday. DJ Burns, 13 points for him once again. Casey Morcel had a solid game. He actually probably kind of broke out a little bit of a slump for himself. He was 4-6 from behind the arc, 8 overall. But still a little bit of a struggle for Kevin Keats and his squad. Kevin Keats actually talked about, hey, you know what? This time of year, which I fully acknowledge, it's kind of hard for teams, especially the inconsistency with scheduling and a lot of stuff going on. Here's Keats' his overall thoughts on the team, how they're doing right now.
3: Really happy with our guys. You know, these are these couple of weeks are really the toughest weeks that you're going to play games. You're in exams. You know, you're like even, for example, St. Louis is, I think this is their last game before they go home for Christmas break. So you got a lot of different things on your mind. The schedule's not the same. You know we're practicing at a different time because we don't have class i told these guys that this will be the toughest team that we have played uh at home this year uh, and they're good you know when you look at the, the fact that uh, jimerson can really score the basketball hargrove jr is really good and then obviously they've added a two-time transfer who has kind of completely changed their team so we had to throw the record out of the window because it didn't matter what their record was coming in even though they're seven and five we knew we were going to play a good team on, on our home floor that if you don't lock in, then there are certainly wouldn't been a great outcome. I thought our second half was tremendous. Um, uh, we had a 27-9 run. We had 10 assists in the second half. Uh, ben Middlebrooks came in and gave us a big lift. I thought DJ was really good. It was great for Casey to see the ball go back in the hole. So excited. We just want to build on it and, and move on from this one.
1: Well, you got a couple DJs. You got DJ Burns and you have DJ Horn as well. So a few DJs uh, out there for NC State. But overall, like you said, in the second half, they really started to put things together. As you mentioned, that 27-9 run, that's where NC State really was able to pull away. I know late in the game, I know the score says 82-70, but there was a pretty sizable gap where NC State did pull ahead. I know Kevin Keats was you know, putting a bunch of other guys off the bench into the game late and St. Louis was able to get some points and stuff off of that to kind of Make the overall final score look a little bit tighter than it was. But you know what? A win is a win is a win. You're 8-3, and three and that's all that matters.
2: Yep, we'll take it.
1: You'll take it if you're NC State. But overall, solid showing for the ACC here in the state of North Carolina. Wake Forest is in action tonight, by the way. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But first, I want to get into this. I know a lot of people get into all oh, the signing day rankings. National signing day started yesterday. ACC still had some... quite a few schools there in the top 30. Still had a bunch. Obviously, the top schools were like Bama, Georgia. I think Georgia was number one, Bama two, Ohio State three, Oregon was four. I mean, if you were to tell me that Ohio State had number one and Georgia had two and Bama had three, but oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Like, I'm like, okay,
1: fine. The big dogs still get the big players. That's simple as that. Miami. According this is the ESPN's rankings, Miami sixth best recruiting class, Florida State ninth best recruiting class, Clemson fifteen, UNC twenty seven, NC State thirty. So you have five teams, five programs in the top thirty in terms of recruiting. Now I will say this: when it comes to recruiting, you can recruit all kinds of great talent. I mean, I think Miami had the fifth best recruiting class last season. Miami is consistently up there in terms of recruiting classes. They get dudes, right? When's the last time Miami was a winner?
0: Yeah, about that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. If, if you're sitting there thinking, when? exactly. I will say this, though. You can have, again, all these top recruits and all these top players. You still got to coach them right. You still got to coach them well. Your recruiting ranking and all that stuff, to me, it really doesn't matter Overall. I mean, obviously, you still got to get the, the athletes and the players in. Don't get me wrong, but you still got to coach them the right way. Because there are some people out there that can coach the heck out of players that may not be able good at recruiting them. There's some programs out there that can bring in some dudes, and they can't win. And gosh, Texas A&M a few years ago, would you know, before Jimbo Fisher got canned at Texas A&M, they are consistently bringing in top, you know. Ten recruiting classes all the time. And what did they do? Nothing. Nothing with it. But nonetheless, I know a lot of people get excited. There's a lot of, I mean, I know, gosh, NC State has what four four-star wide receivers coming in? I think. I think one of them is more of like an athlete that can play running back and you know do you know some other different stuff, but they got four four-star guys on the outside coming in to go along with Casey Concepcion and Wesley Grimes. And the top tight end in the the transfer portal coming out of UConn. And Grayson McCall. And one of Notre Dame's starting offensive linemen. So, yeah, big time. Big time so far. By the way, we're going to get into here in about 10 minutes this whole Dave and Mac Brown stuff from yesterday. We're going to get into that here in about 10 minutes. Oh, man, the
3: drama. The drama. I
1: love some drama. But that's the thing. (laughs) I I love it. They're I keeping like it going. It. I kind of <laughs> like it. It's uh it's very soap opera-ish, but you know what? That's fine. I'm okay with it. Final thing here as we get things started. Carolina Hurricanes are back in action tonight. This is, I guess, it's kind of like my theme of this opening segment. How do you back it up? Carolina had a great 6-3 win over the Vegas Golden Knights just two nights ago. Okay, how do you back it up? Piotr Chekhov has had a string of really good starts. He's 3-0-1 with a save percentage of 946 in his last four starts. That's really, really freaking good. How do you back it up? You're on the road at Pittsburgh tonight. It's a divisional game. You're both fighting for a wild card spot. You're both fighting for playoff positioning. It's a big thing. It's a big game tonight for the Carolina Hurricanes in Pittsburgh. And you got one more this upcoming Saturday as well. Gotta take care of business.
0: Yeah,
3: use this momentum.
1: Yes. You get guess what? You play tonight, you play Saturday, and then you get three days off.
3: Right. Three days off. Eat a bunch of junk food, listen to Christmas tunes, Mm -hmm. watch movies, sleep, whatever.
1: Do all the home alone, the whole deal. Whatever it is that you gotta do. But earn earn it. Here's something that's interesting, though. I know a lot, because thinking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, I know a lot of people think of that may have watched hockey, you know, when they were younger, like myself. The early 90s when the Pittsburgh Penguins actually won a couple of Stanley Cups back-to-back. It was Marley, Mario Lemieux, it was Tom Barrasso, and yep. it was Yammer Yager. It was. Yammer Yager, by the way, um, a native of, I guess not technically it's Chechia, but born in Czech Republic. He's going to play hockey again professionally, Yammer Yager. 37th season playing professional hockey. He's going to play in his in his, in his his home country and, like you know, home team and all that kind of stuff. Thirty-seven years. What? Brett Burns is thirty-eight. Yeah. Brett Burns is the old guy for the Carolina Hurricanes. He's thirty-eight. Poor young little Seth Jarvis is twenty-one years old. Wow. Put that in perspective. I'm thirty-seven. Oh, that's. Yager started playing pro hockey when I was born.
3: My joints hurt for him. Just thinking about My it. My
1: back now hurts yeah. thinking yeah. of all this. But yeah. you know what? You could still skate. Still got the hands. Someone wants to pay you to do it.
3: Hey, why not? Why not? And you know what? If
1: you still have fun doing it, go have fun doing it. Sure. Canes are in action tonight. That's a seven o'clock puck drop up in Pittsburgh. Uh, If you listen to the Canes radio broadcast, you should still hear Adam Gold tonight. So if you miss Adam, you can listen to the Canes game tonight. He'll be there. And he'll be doing stuff. There you go.